1: Vanessa Okurare is joining me here today. Edward Jones principal just killed her name right there, but that's not important (laughs) as this money. What are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you financially fit in the wake of COVID-19? You know, I saw this interview come up, Vanessa, and I thought to myself, OMG, I have to have a conversation with you. There is a survey now, and we're going to talk about it. But having a survey is not enough. You've got to have a solution. There's a new program. But here's the question. Not how financially fit are Americans? It's how financially fit do you want to be in the middle of COVID-19? Vanessa, it's great to have you here. Boy, I'll tell you, you all at Edward Jones, you do so many surveys and then pop out so many solutions and programs. I'm I'm just amazed how adaptable you are. What, what hit your nerve to be able to dig deeply into this?
2: yes uh, thanks dr Pat It's a pleasure to be on your show for us it 's important to know what people are thinking because when you know what what people are thinking what's important to them, you can find the right solutions to help them um, achieve those goals so that's what that 's why we do the surveys and and I think what we found is that the pandemic has certainly presented many challenges for families and as you said, tested their financial resilience and, and we found that People want to feel understood, they want to feel in control, they want to be knowledgeable about their finances. And this survey has given us some insights or further insights into how people are feeling.
1: So, you know, as you look at this, I can only imagine what it's like to be you, to have the level of knowledge, you know, that you have, being part of strategic leadership team, you know, you are helping the firm achieve its goals. But more than that, you are really on the pulse. And I mean that seriously, on the pulse of what's Mm -hmm. in people's hearts. Uh, it's it's difficult sometimes to talk about money without talking about what's in people's hearts because the relationship we have to money is a heart mind relationship. Anything surprised you in this survey?
2: Well, not not really. Okay. For me personally, not really. What I would say is that it was interesting because one of the key points in the survey was only forty four percent of adults feel in complete control of their financial situation, which means that the vast majority either felt they had only some, not much, or no control whatsoever of their financial situation. We also found that having a financial strategy with access to funds and, of course, the right financial tools uh, help people feel financially stable and resilient. And, and that's, something, Dr. Pat, that isn't a surprise to me. We know that when you have a a financial strategy, you do feel more confident about where you are and how close you are to achieving those financial goals. The the other element I would point out with this is that we found younger adults are prioritizing short-term versus long-term goals. And it's really important to help our young adults set those healthy financial habits
1: early. Yeah. You know, I I love that we're talking about this and looking at it. We did a very informal poll a a number of months ago Mm -hmm. with small businesses. And uh, because I was going through the same thing everybody was going through with how do you get funding for your business? And what we found is the insecurity around small businesses was they could not make sense Of how to even begin to get additional financial support. And, you know, I want to talk to you about this because this has to be part of the conversation. It's one thing to be prepared, it's another thing to have programs that are available to you, but you just can't make sense of them. You know, and that's really why I wanted to talk to you about this program because if people had to be left to themselves to try to figure out how to get support and help, it's daunting. And so in your response to this survey, how easy have you made it for people to get support around this?
2: We've tried to make it as easy as we possibly can by developing this financial uh, fitness program. We know that with financial literacy programs, people tend to feel, again, more confident. It's amazing how many adults um, don't have an understanding of basic financial concepts by the time that they're 40. So think about it comp- compounded interest or compounded growth, time value of money, um, retirement planning, budgeting. Uh, stocks and shares, many people, millions of people lack that information. And so by it getting, uh, standing up a financial literacy program, we know it helps people to plan better for their future. It enables people achieve a higher level of education, more income, and greater career satisfaction, which leads to overall Improved well-being. So we're really passionate and committed to building economic inclusion and and lasting financial resilience, not just for this generation but for the next generation. So it's easy. It's, we've made it really simple.
1: Yeah, you know, Vanessa, one of the things I was really struck by in what you all have put together is, you know, the, the, one of the key factors of whether somebody feels safe, secure, or not, and that is to have their goals you know, play out in a way that they understand how the decisions they make today impact today and the future. And isn't that part of what you wanted to achieve is to help people better understand if I make a decision X today, how is that going to play out today and how is it going to play out tomorrow? And and look, we get to make whatever decisions we want, but if we don't know what the impact of that decision is, how are we ever going to be financially fit? Yes.
2: Again, you're spot on there. Making time for financial education, which is what you've just articulated, is an important strategy to build financial resilience. If you don't have the education around finance, you don't know where you're going, then you don't know the tools that will enable you achieve um, those goals, which is why we would advocate for leveraging financial education as a tool to drive resilience and drive financial stability. We'd advocate for or walking alongside a, a trusted guide, a mm. financial advisor, who can help develop that strategy, help you understand, well, what are your long-term goals? What's your investment timeframe? How comfortable are you with risk before recommending mm. uh, a strategy? Those are some of the things that we would um, encourage people to think about, and also investing and saving for the long term. You always hear stories about, you know, the the one person who made lots of money from one particular investment or one particular trade. But we know that most individual investors who are successful uh, do it over time. It's
1: not overnight. You you can't time the market successfully. Yeah, boy, do do we know that? Those of us that are a bit older, just saying, right there, <laughs> just saying. Uh, look, before we uh, c- keep going here, I, I I know that you have provided uh, a website, and you and, you know when I went to the website, you have things like financial calculators, personal finance. You have a lot of things. You also talk about what your vision and mission is, but more importantly, you have people thousands of people uh, across the United States that are available to help people. I want to know what is the best place to send people to find out about how to connect with you all?
2: Uh, Our website, um, Dr. Pat, would be the first port of call. So edwardjones.com slash financial fitness. So that's, again, part of the program that we've set up to help Americans with everything from investing tips, uh, planning for retirement, paying for education, budgeting, how to find a trusted guide, a financial advisor. If you go onto our website, all that information is
1: available in a very easy way to navigate. All right. I'm gonna, I right, I'm I want to talk to you about this one thing here, because I think this is really the, what do they call it? The straw that broke the camel's back. I don't even know what that Ooh. really means, but I want to talk about this <laughs> one. Um, it has to do with the psychology of things to me. You could tell I, that's my field, right? Mm-hmm. So here it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. The numbers say one in 10 Americans increasing their investments are starting to invest for the first time. One in 10. Now, wait a minute. That's not a great number. But here's what we've learned about this. Starting something is the hardest part of something. It's daunting. And when you're talking about two things in particular, money and losing weight, those two things, (laughs) people are like, nah, I'm just going to wait. I want to know how do we get people, how do we change that number from instead of one in 10 to maybe five in 10? Because I think it's the initial, really, I want to do it, but how? How do we help them?
2: Yes, I I love the analogy, especially the one around exercise. (laughs) You're you're right, taking the, the first step is so important, but then you build a habit. And that is what keeps sustaining you over time. For those of us in financial services, we know we must do more to help individuals and families of all income levels build financial resilience. Again, not just for now, but for generations to come. And one way we're do- we want to do this is by promoting access to financial advice. That's one of the key starting points. Personalized advice and access mm. to Quality financial services and products um, are critical to building financial resilience. So that's one of the things we would advocate for. And then the education around it. Uh, Once you've, you've got the education, you've got a financial advisor, you build a strategy to help you and it doesn't matter how um, small you start. It's important to start somewhere and it's not that important whether you're a millennial or you're a baby boomer. Yes, millennials, we have more time. You, you know, I, I shouldn't say we because I'm not a millennial, <laughs> but millennials do have more time. It's, <laughs> still, it's important to start. Um, immediately, and pay yourself first. That's something that Gosh. not many people do. Um, and, and if you have this systematic approach to investing, it takes the emotion of those market moves out of your decisions. And again, to your point about the, developing the, the right mindsets. if you start and something happens every month, a certain amount of money leaves your accounts every month and goes into building your investment portfolio, Oh, my gosh. Those first steps are critical to having a successful future.
1: You know, I I know we only have a few minutes here left, but I do want to touch upon a couple of things here and make sure people have that information. First, I want to make sure folks go to edwardjones.com. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And Vanessa, you're touching upon so many important things and and. Prior to the pandemic, one of the things I was doing, and I'm planning to do it again, I'm working with women, especially women entrepreneurs, who, like myself, took their entire life savings and invested it into a life dream and a business. And one of the things you touched upon that we need to get better at is paying ourselves, but also paying ourselves and then paying our future. And that to me is one of the most critical things, especially for entrepreneurs. I want to ask you, as you move forward and you look at the effects of the pandemic, if I ask you, Vanessa, personally, give me your three hottest tips, what would they be? (laughs) oh gosh
2: uh, that's really tough to sell to down to three and again we know women especially have been disproportionately affected by the the pandemic we you know we all know and we won't go into the data uh, however dr pat if i had to keep it to, to three i would say invest in your financial education and and i'll align that to your investing with the future because if you invest in your financial education today that equips you for the future and um, the second would be developing your your strategy alongside a trusted financial advisor. Again, our website will help you with all that information. And then set realistic expectations for what your return is going to be and what you need to achieve your goals. And within that, it's preparing for the unexpected. None of us could have predicted uh, a pandemic. Um, However, it's important for us to prepare for the unexpected. So those would be my my three tips, financial education, uh, making sure that we work with a trusted advisor, and then setting realistic mm-hmm. expectations.
1: And you know, I wanna thank you for today. I know you've got to run. And uh, one of the things I do wanna say is I think the thing that stalls us, and, and I think Vanessa, you touched on this beautifully before. I think the thing that stalls us in, in anything like this is we look at these enormous goals, and you really said something really important. It doesn't matter how much you put towards investing in your future. Somehow we think if I don't have 10 or 20 or $30,000 to put down or to put in, nobody's going to want to talk with me. And I think we have to change that. What do you think?
2: I agree, uh, Dr. Pat. The that saying: a journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step. So it's taking that first leap and um, doing something that's going to equip you
1: for life. I could tell you've been doing this for a long time. Vanessa, thank you so much again. Give out the website. Thank you for this. At jones.com slash financial fitness. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Thank you, Vanessa. And all of you out there, look it, I'm telling you right now, please just say yes to the mm-hmm. next step for your future. That's all you need to do and get some help. We're going to take a short break. We'll see you next time.
3: Imagine what it would be like to turn your pain into purpose. Tune in to Transformation with Martine every second and fourth Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Martine and her guests are here shining their lights today through empowering stories of hardship and transformation. Begin to see your life in a new light. Visit MartineEmmons.com and tune in every second and fourth Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific to Transformation with Martine. Martine.
0: Are you ready to shift your current beliefs about death from debilitating pain and loss? Follow Angie Corbett Kuyper as she shares that through choice, present moment awareness, and keeping an open mind. Anything is possible, even in death. Tune in to Beyond Proof Radio with Angie, redefining death and loss every first Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. For more, visit BeyondProof.com.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. Now, what's going to be good news about what we're about to talk about? Many of you know I have a long-lasting relationship with PETA. I've had this relationship probably since the early, early days of doing the show. Why? Because I care about our animal friends and I care about the planet. But today, I'm going to be talking with Asher Smith, litigation manager for The People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. That's PETA Foundation. And I got this interview and I looked at this and I said, this cannot still be happening. This just can't. I mean, I must be living in a bubble. Who is going to do something about it? Who? PETA. They are filing a groundbreaking lawsuit against the USDA. Why? Because it's the who that's more important than that. Owl experiments in the 21st century, I cannot believe it. Asher, great to have you. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: You know, look, I, 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 I do these interviews. I've been supporting Peter for a long time. And I get an interview like this, and I said, after all of the awareness, after all of the fighting you all have done, we are now taking this fight to the streets because... What? Owl experiments? Are you shocked or do you see this every day, Asher?
0: You know, both. <laughs> I'm here today because of what's happening to animals in laboratories all the time, but specifically to 30 barn owls at Johns Hopkins University who are suffering in some of the most gruesome and frankly needless experiments going on in the country today. PETA is in federal court. Because these owls, smart, empathetic creatures who in natural settings would mate for life and co-parent their young, will have their skulls cut open by experimenters, electrodes jammed into their brains, mutilating their brain tissue, be tightly confined and bombarded with jarring sounds and images for up to 12 hours at a time, and all eventually killed by experimenters. And this is happening to these owls without any of the protections guaranteed by the Federal Animal Welfare Act because of another federal law called the Helms Amendment, which we believe and will mm-hmm. argue to the federal court is unconstitutional and must be abolished.
1: Um I have to tell you I'm shocked and I'm surprised. What are, are the folks at John Hopkins thinking? Well can't I mean we live in the twenty first century right? We just came up with a vaccine in a bunch of months. Can't we do things differently? You would
0: think. Uh, Experiments like the ones going on at at Johns Hopkins that we're in court over are not Mm -hmm. happening because they're about finding any kind of cures for humans or scientific advancements that can help humans. But they happen because experimenters are in the business of churning out data and keeping taxpayer money through federal grants flowing. As Johns Hopkins experimenters admitted in their own grant application, they study owls in significant part because they think it's easier. They consider owls' brains easy to observe, and there's already, in large part because of their own prior work, lots of existing data on owls they can compared to for publication. But even though the ostensible purpose here is to understand something you can apply to human vision and hearing, that simply can't happen. Owls are not miniature flying humans. Owl vision and hearing are not remotely comparable to that of humans. Not only is their vision and hearing orders of magnitude more acute, owls use completely different brain functions to process stimuli through vision and hearing. The lead Johns Hopkins experimenter even admitted in September 2020 that experiments on head-restrained animals, a category that would include these owls, are prone to misinterpretation, and that makes perfect sense when you think about the fact that these owls are being tightly confined and stressed for hours upon hours on end. Not only are they not providing any data that can tell you something about... Humans, they're also not providing any data that could tell you something about how owls should naturally function. It's simply the case that animal experimentation, rather than human-focused methods through, for example, advanced imaging techniques, computational and mathematical modeling, hinder rather than advance
1: science and medicine and you know can i just say as not being you uh somebody that is a litigation manager or not being a scientist in this arena uh i just want to use the i just want to say two words that my mama used to say to me common sense right common sense in what way are we like an owl? But I want to ask you more specifically. You have sat down a, a bit of litigation, a, a lawsuit, and I am curious about the elements of the lawsuit because I would love to know the details that you are going to be putting on the table to uh, attempt to end this. Sure
0: thing. So the Constitution is clear. Mm. Congress cannot pass any death sentences, or other punishments. That's called the Bill of Attainder Clause. That might sound obscure, that might not be the part of the Constitution everyone talks about every day, but it's enormously important, and there's a good reason for it. Laws such as these were, were favored weapons of bloodthirsty English kings, and at the Constitutional Convention, the Constitution's framers chose unanimously and without debate to ban Congress from passing them. That's a blanket prohibition on Congress that simply says Congress cannot pass bills of attainder. That means not against you or me, not against their political enemies, not against, as courts have increasingly found, inanimate corporations. And so it should also protect animals. By the plain text of the Constitution, these owls should have the Mm -hmm. same protections against laws such as the Helms Amendment as anyone else.
1: I want to give a caution for all of you out there about what I'm about to say and what I'm about to read and what Asher and I are about to talk about exactly, because until you hear exactly what we're going to say, uh, you probably will not get a sense of why we're so passionate about this. You know, let's talk about, you know, the documents that um, you obtained and the experimenter doing the experiments uh, for a minute and, uh, and what, what's happening now, and what the intention is. So I want to read this. And by the way, go to PETA.org slash, and, and this is important for you to go there and find out yourself, PETA.org slash owls, O-W-L-S. Just go, you're going to get all the information, and then you can sign up to be part of this. Here's the deal. Shri Masore, or Mysore, uh, cuts into the skulls of barn owls, inserts electrodes into their brains forces them to look at screens for hours a day and bombards them with noises and lights and pretends that doing this will tell us something about attention deficit disorder in humans. That's what's going on, but that's not the end of it. They, they are planning to do more than that. Can you tell us? They're not planning to stop here.
0: No, Exactly know, each of these owls will be confined for twelve hours on end and electrodes, once mm. jabbed into their brains, don't stay put. These electrodes have to constantly be re implanted, remutilating their brain tissue again and again and again. Now if the Animal Welfare Act applied and protected these animals, they could not be subject to repeated surgeries serial surgeries again and again, Mm. by individuals who are not qualified surgeons, they would in, but instead, Johns Hopkins doesn't have to care. They can just have students do these experiments who, you know, like any students anywhere in any learning process are going to experience trial and error.
1: There's a lot of money here. You know, we're talking about like the funding around this a couple of million, right?
0: We're talking about literally billions of dollars with a billion that goes Mm. from federal, from in in federal grants to experimenters, many of them in animal experimentation, such as these, that have no hope of yielding any results that can ever be applied to humans.
1: And I, I want to say this about the researcher based on what I read. A researcher then admits that these experiments are painful to owls. But when they, when they did the grant application, there's very little information about anything or any pain or any, anything, any, anything that would relieve the pain. So, I, I, you know, I want to ask you, because I know our time is short. What action are you taking? How hopeful are you? And when are we going to see this stop?
0: So, PETA is asking a federal court to apply the Constitution's protections against legislative punishment and abolish the federal law drafted by Jesse Helms that makes it so that the Animal Welfare Act does not apply to birds, mice, and rats bred for use in research like these owls. Mm. Now, while PETA is asking the federal court to put a stop to these experiments, he is still keeping its, public, its other public efforts to end these experiments ongoing. Mm-hmm. He has engaged in years of efforts to rescue these owls. Those have included, for example, a letter-writing campaign that your listeners can participate in. Again, if they go to PETA.org owls, because while this federal lawsuit is ongoing, and we hope a judge agrees and soon abolishes the Helms Amendment, that takes time. Yeah. But your listeners today can go to p. org slash owls and send a message to Johns Hopkins University that because these experiments are so gruesome, so needless, they have to end now. Yeah.
1: I also want to recommend that when they do go to the website, um, there is a tab on the website, and I just want to be clear about it. And when you come here, you'll see Take Action, Campaign Updates, Activist Center, and Scientific Critique. Um, I encourage all of you to click on Scientific Critique because you will get a detailed, in-depth understanding of this article uh, by the way, uh, Catherine, Catherine, Dr. Catherine Rowe, I think, wrote it. You'll get an understanding. Mm-hmm. Look, from your perspective, I know you've got to run. I want to know the call to action. What can we say to our beautiful, amazing audience? This is the best audience on the planet. What can we do to help?
0: Go to PETA.org slash owls. First, first, educate yourself and tell others, but then... Tell Johns Hopkins that these experiments have to end today. So far, more than 290,000 members of the public have signed on board. It's literally painless to add your name to the pile, telling Johns Hopkins that you've noticed what they're doing and they have to stop.
1: You know, I'm, I'm interested in this because I just finished an interview with an amazing young woman and it made me think about our children, our children in middle school, our children in high school, our children, right? I wonder what would happen if, you know, in our school system, these kids knew that this was going on. I just wonder, you know, what they would do. And yet at the same time, I know what they would do and you're doing it, um, I want to ask you this last question, if I could, Asher. Um, What are you most optimistic about? I mean, you're in litigation. (laughs) I know it's an odd question, right? I did call this a good news segment for a reason, because you are doing something. But what are you most optimistic about with this?
0: I'm optimistic about all the people who genuinely care about these animals, who understand what we're saying, who understand the premise of our arguments and have joined the fight to protect not only these animals, but animals all over the country suffering in experiments or suffering in mm. roadside zoos or anywhere else. You know, mm. more than 290,000 members of the public have signed on to Peter's letter-writing campaign to tell John Hopkins to end these experiments. Uh, Peter's also has filed lots of litigation against roadside zoos like those seen on, on Tiger King, and I can yeah. tell you that not only are our lawsuits successful, but members of the public who begin to understand what's going on at facilities that abuse animals are not frequenting those facilities or telling their friends and colleagues the same. I'm, I'm optimistic that our message is getting through and that people are learning what it means to be a compassionate person mm-hmm. in, in today's environment.
1: Asher, thank you so much for today. I have one last question. Asher Smith, everybody, please go to PETA.org slash owls. What's your personal message, Asher? What do you want to leave us with today?
0: My personal message is that we should care about these owls. It's that owls are living, breathing individuals who have complex lives. They, in their natural environments, live in complex communities they not only mate for life; they co-parent. They're young. They're capable of incredible empathy. There is a fascinating study done of young owl nestlings that just mm-hmm. listened to their chirps and found that when the owls chirp, in, when the baby owls chirp in hunger, they can hear which of their owl peers' chirps are the hungriest, and they'll actually forego food until their are hungriest baby owl companions have eaten. Owls are among the increasing number of species that have been observed using tools. Owls are, in a very real sense, people and individuals just like us who deserve to be respected on their own terms.
1: Thank you so much. Thank everyone at PETA, and we certainly will join the fight. Thank you so much, Asher, for today.
0: Thanks
1: again. Let's take a short break, everyone. Please check it out. Please join the fight. We'll be right back. Can a cup of Joe support ALS?
0: May 14th. If you go to any one of our shops, proceeds from every cup, go to research to find cause. If you don't have a shop near you, you can go to Dutchbros.com and donate. The goal is one point six million. All of our releases, all of our great customers is gonna take extraordinary effort from all of us.
1: Let's talk about ALS. Go to Dutch, B-R-O-S SAM.com.
0: TransformationTalkRadio.com.
3: Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen, and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly, all with the purpose of calling forth the Maximum You. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Good News segment. You know, over the years, you have heard us talk, especially from a number of different perspectives, about the importance of sleep. Uh, You know, in the field that I am in, sleep from a psychological and a mental perspective is a game changer. But what about our bodies? How does sleep or not sleep affect our bodies? Many of you have heard about sleep apnea but I bet you have not heard what, doc, what we're, about, we're, we're about to talk about today. Uh, Dr. Faria uh, uh, Abbasi Feinberg is joining me here today because we're talking about innovations in sleep medicine. We're talking about what it means to really understand what goes on when we sleep or don't sleep. And many of you, you see the commercials on television on how to stop snoring, but what they do not talk about is what is literally underneath that and going on with the body. Up to now, maybe there have been a few solutions, but now we've got it. Doctor, great to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Pat. Yeah, you know, listen, we've done a number of shows on this, especially from my own healing journey and, you know, my own experience. And what I find now, and I'm so glad you're talking today with us, is there's some things we know from our pop culture, but boy, we do not know or understand all the dots that need to be connected. So I love this, more than a snore. Let's talk about that because people get it. They get snoring, but they don't know what's underneath it, and they don't know the serious nature of it.
4: You are absolutely correct. Um, You know, people think snoring is so normal, right? Everybody says, my dad snored, or my (laughs) uncle snored, and it's not a big deal if I snore. And, you know, sometimes it isn't, but a lot of times it needs further assessment. I always tell folks that I look at snoring and sleep apnea kind of as a continuum, right? So what is supposed to happen is we're breathing, oxygen goes in through our nose or mouth, it goes down into the lungs and then gets distributed everywhere it needs to go. And that's normal. In somebody that snores, what happens is that when you fall asleep, the muscles in the back of your throat relax and your airway starts to collapse partially. So as you're breathing and the air goes by, it vibrates all that loose tissue. And that's what causes the snoring in a lot of people. So as long as you're getting enough air, that's probably okay. But a lot of times that closure continues on to the point that you end up not getting enough air in and that is sleep apnea. And that is something that really needs to be treated.
1: And I want to say this out of the gate. Um, First of all, let me comment to you on your website and the way that you're presenting information. And let's get at that right now. Uh, For those of you out there, as we are talking about this, I want to make sure you have a resource. We're talking about the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, and that's the website I want to make sure people go to, correct, doctor, uh, which is abbreviated AASM, or A is American, A is Academy Sleep Medicine, AASM.org. And I'm sending them to the right place, right? (laughs) That is correct, yeah.
4: It <laughs> uh, yeah, has an education aspect of their website and you can get to it through the asm.org website or you can go through sleepeducation.org as well.
1: All right, and the reason I like to mention this because in this really short interview, we're not gonna be able to dive deeply into the studies you have here or we're not gonna be able to really say, look, there's never been a better time for you to make a change here. But let's talk about what we should be looking for. First of all, there are signs and symptoms, but all of that leads to other bodily consequences. Take us on that journey. Mm, yes, so untreated sleep
4: apnea can definitely cause medical issues, including high blood pressure, heart disease, especially some rhythm heart rhythm abnormalities, Uh, There's an increased risk of stroke, uh, depression, and we think there's even a relationship between sleep apnea that's untreated and Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. So all of those are very serious medical consequences um, that need to be assessed and hopefully treated. Now, in addition, there's quality of life issues you know, as we said, sleep apnea happens when your airway closes. Well, it's your brain's job to keep you alive when you're sleeping. And so your brain tells you, Hey, take, you know, wake up, take a breath, take a breath Mm. It really disturbs your sleep. If you have untreated sleep apnea to the point that you wake up tired and grumpy and, you know, don't feel like you can function well. Um, so, you know, please get help, get assessed.
1: You know, I want to talk about this because I, I, I think that for me, there's such a great solution. So I want to start by saying that. Such a great solution. And yet, I'm, uh, it's daunting to, to realize that there are so many people that don't really look at the solution. And I want to talk about that for a minute. I think it's like anything that you try one time, you're a little bit weary of trying it. But then when you do, you often wonder, how am I ever sleeping without it? And let's talk about the the treatment options, because they are for real.
4: Yeah, and there are a couple of different treatment options, right? So yeah, we see a board certified sleep position, and we look at how severe the apnea is, that helps us guide our treatment options. Um, You know, the mainstay of therapy is something that's called CPAP therapy. It's Continuous positive airway pressure. It's a little machine that sits at your bedside, and there's a mask that you wear either over your nose or under your nose. And this machine blows air in and it opens up your airway and it allows enough oxygen to, to flow naturally in. There are folks that worry Am I going to be able to sleep with this on? You know, is it going to be um, bothering my bed partner? And I have to reassure them because there's been a lot of advancements made in in CPAP therapy over these past 20 years. And so folks that couldn't do it in the past can do it now. Most of the interfaces are pretty comfortable. And you're absolutely right. The first night may not be perfect, but you you, you get adjusted to things and you try different things until you find what works for you.
1: You know what I love about this because, you know, anybody that has been in this situation, if you talk with them and my own personal experience is that, you know, once you get over that initial hump, you wonder, how have I ever been sleeping without it? And, you know, it's really like night and day for a lot of people. And I want to make that point. Maybe you can help me with your, your experience and what you do. It's not just like, Oh, I'm going to get a little bit better sleep. When you hear people talk about using these therapies or CPAP or something like that, it's like they cannot imagine sleeping without it. Is it that drastic or are those anomalies?
4: I see it every day. I have people coming in who are so happy, so thrilled with their progress, and their bed partners are also thrilled. Mm-hmm. You know, I have people tell me, hey, if there's a house fire, I'm taking my CPAP over my baby, you know, over my children's baby albums because I know that I need my CPAP. So there are people who absolutely love it. You know, what I do is very gratifying because I help people sleep better so that they can feel better and live better. Um, And it is absolutely fantastic.
1: You know, in the work that you've done, and I know this is a really short interview, I want to make sure people know where to go, but I am so curious on where we have been with this, where we are today, and where the vision of the future is. Because I know every day we're learning something, we're innovating, there are new therapies, um, and they can go to aasm.org. But from your perspective, you've seen the past, you're in the present, and I bet you've got an eye on the future. Tell me about what excites you most and what the leap ahead may look like for people.
4: I think this is such an exciting time to be in sleep medicine because technology is advancing. I think the way we evaluate folks is gonna get easier and simpler and more comfortable. And treatment options are gonna get better and better, you know, all the time. Um, I think we're gonna learn more about personalized medicine. We're gonna be able to figure out who needs what treatment so that we can really tailor it to each person individually.
1: Um, A couple of things I just want to be aware of for people that are thinking, well, I don't know, am I a candidate or not? So there are a couple of things that happen, right? Snoring, we talk about choking, gasping, fatigue, but let's talk about obesity for a minute. A lot of folks don't make that connection. There's no dot that gets connected. And I think right here today, that's a really important conversation to have. What do you think?
4: It is very important. Yeah. So unfortunately, obesity can cause a lot of different medical issues. And sleep apnea is one of them. There's a definite link there. You know, I have folks that come in and tell me I was fine until I gained 20 pounds. And now this is what's happening. Um, You know, weight loss can be a good therapy for people that have mild sleep apnea. I do have to say a caveat, though, you know, we typically think about Mm -hmm heavy middle-aged men that tend to have sleep apnea. But sometimes I have skinny young women that walk yeah. into this and lo and behold, they have terrible sleep apnea. So it's not always weight related, but there is definitely a connection.
1: And I am so glad you brought that up because we do tend to almost stereotype and put people in a box. And we, I don't, during this interview, we don't want to exclude people that are saying, well, I'm none of those things. Well, you don't have to be any of these things. If you are experiencing this, there's help on the way. Um, One of the things I want to ask you is people are concerned about what is it? How do I do it? Where do I go? And a lot of times folks won't start a thing without some information. What kind of teaching, learning, education, what all do you provide to help people, one, make the decision, but then when they do, stay educated?
4: I think it is so important to talk to people and give them, you know, options and review everything available. So the websites are fantastic a good place to start is that as the ASM.org or sleepeducation.org. And then, you know, talk to your doctors. Um, Typically seeing a board certified sleep physician will really be a great first step Mm. so that you can get more information.
1: You know, thank you for today. I know it's a short interview, but I do have one last question. I know this is a field that you're passionate about. Um, You have been practicing in this arena and considered an expert in this arena. I would love for you to tell us what your personal message is. You know, what you want to appeal to the hearts of the thousands of people that may be listening. What's in your heart?
4: I think people don't always understand how important sleep is to the rest of their life, right? So I, we always tell people that we want you to sleep better so you can live better. You know, we're not doing this just for no good reason. Um, and, you know, there's help out there. So ask for help, get help we're available,
1: um, find us. I love it. For those of you out there, I'm going to say it again. You can go to the website, aasm.org. So much information. And if there's not enough information here for you all, there's a way for you to contact folks. Thank you, doctor. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for having me and giving me the opportunity to talk to you. Yeah. Hey, everybody, let's get some good Z's at night. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Thank
3: Diane McClay. I'm comfortable being in front of people. How to make things work in a structured format made me feel a little nervous. Everybody I have worked with on the Transformation Talk team met me with enthusiasm. Their confidence in me spilled over to me and allowed me to just grab onto it and say, oh yeah, that's me and I can own it. Thank you for showing up for me. Thank you for allowing me to put my gifts into the world and thank you for making me look good while I do it. your inspiration all day on transformationtalkradio.com can't get enough of i've soul radio join psychic medium jamie every thursday at 5 p.m pacific 8 p.m eastern on transformation talk radio take a deeper look at the raw side of spirit nothing is off limits Connect with lost loved ones and explore these vulnerable subjects with the compassionate guidance of psychic medium Jamie. You are not alone. I of Soul Thursdays at 5 p.m. Pacific only on TransformationTalkRadio.com.
0: Octurians with Vivian Chuvette, Tune in to Transformation Talk Radio every second and fourth Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We are shifting from this third dimensional plane of reality to higher octaves of life. Let us reclaim our sovereignty as a united family of light and manifest the planetary ascension, our return to Prime Creator. For information on our services and to connect with Vivian, visit InfiniteHealingFromTheStars.com.
5: Hello, and welcome to Shades of Spirit Monthly Meditation. This meditation should not be done while operating a vehicle. Find a safe space where you can sit down and connect safely. Today, we will connect you with one of your guardian angels. This meditation will coincide with our monthly topics. Allow yourself to be open and judgment-free for the next eight minutes while we are on this journey together. Take a second to quiet your mind, body, and spirit. Start taking some slow and steady deep breaths in through your nose and out to your mouth, allowing yourself to sink deeper and deeper into your space. Allow your eyelids to get heavier with each breath. Take a deep breath in for the count of five, four, three, two, one and hold that breath for the count of five. And now release that breath for the count of five, four, three, two, one. And let's do that one more time. Take a nice deep breath in for the count of five, four, three, two, one. And hold that breath for the count of five, allowing it to expand through your chest cavity. And release for the count of five, four, three, two, one. Picture yourself walking through an enchanted forest. You feel safe and you are looking for something. A heavy mist surrounds you as you become aware of your surroundings. You can hear the leaves beneath you as you take each step. You can hear wildlife in the distance as you continue walking. You can hear a waterfall nearby, but cannot see it just yet. The mist is thick on your skin, and you notice that this is not ordinary mist. It looks like tiny diamonds as it evaporates on your body. You also notice the smell surrounding you. It doesn't smell like a forest. You concentrate and realize it smells like a million rose bushes have bloomed all at once. It is the most beautiful scent that you have ever experienced. You look up and notice tiny beams of light begin to penetrate the mist. The light swirls as it heads straight down to illuminate your path. The mist begins to dissipate. And it becomes a beautiful clear day all around you you look directly in front of you and you see the most beautiful being you have ever seen the two of you walk towards each other and embrace in a hug this being introduces themselves to you as one of your guardian angels and tells you they have been waiting your whole life for this take a second to really look at your guardian angel What do they look like, male or female form? What are they wearing? What do they feel like? You reflect upon how familiar this feels and how it feels like you have known this guardian your entire life. It feels this way because you have. They have been with you since the beginning and always will be with you. They have just been waiting for you to remember them to connect. Feel this love, this unconditional love that they have for you that cannot be measured by time itself. They have been with you for many lifetimes and have guarded and protected your soul faithfully. Look your guardian in the eye. Think about the word guardian. What does it mean? Your guardian is literally a guard for you to protect you no matter what happens. Your guardian has fiercely defended you throughout time and made a vow to never leave your side. Take in this unimaginable bond that has been forged through time as the two of you have walked side by side. You have entrusted this angel with your soul, and in return, your angel has accepted the responsibility And treats it with a sacred honor take a minute with your guardian be open to receive any messages they may have for you allow yourself to surrender your ego and be one with your guardian angel as you prepare to part ways thank your guardian for their patience understanding and guidance Now I want you to turn around and head back to the sound of my voice I want you to envision a staircase that is spiraling down to the space you're in take a slow and steady deep breath in and on the exhale start to descend down the spiral staircase becoming more aware of the sounds you hear take another deep breath in and on the exhale you arrive at the bottom of the spiral staircase now you can feel yourself in your seat. You hear the sounds around you more clearly as you begin to wiggle your fingers and toes. Take a couple more deep breaths in, and on the exhales, start to open your eyes and become ever present in your body and space.